Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today as we continue wrapping up our series on the end times prophecies. Here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're studying the end times, and I'm here with my good friends, uh, Danny Jacobs and John Lay, and we're going to interact a little on end times. Welcome, guys. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks, Ray. Glad to be here. Well, who wants to jump in the fire first? Well, I, t- I want to start off by saying, Ray, thank you so much for doing this. You're, you're the one that did the hard, the hard work here and got us into the end times. So thank you for doing that. And uh, actually, that that leads me to my first question. Well, first of all, I didn't get us into end times. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's um, animated right now. Yeah. <laughs> my question is, scripture, scripture says in Revelation, it says that the one who hears this and understands it and takes it to heart will be blessed. I mean, obviously, you've done that. So how has your life been blessed? Well, it first uh, has been blessed by just the intensity of the process I went through in studying this. Mm. And God just repeatedly revealed things in a way that now, when I study Scripture, it just comes alive in a way that it never did before. Mm -hmm. Um, I also saw the faithfulness of God when I first started this. I had about 15 different books going, (laughs) and, you know, my eyes were crossing, and I was getting even more confused. (laughs) And so I eventually just set them all aside. And I just started praying for God to reveal Scripture to me. And not that I didn't use concepts and things right. from other books. It's I'm not trying to say I'm some kind of unique author here because I'm not. But God started revealing end times to me in a way that, and just Scripture in general, that I never really had seen the depth of before. And things that I would get stuck on, I would just keep plowing away at it. Yeah. And sometimes it may be a week, two weeks, mm. and then that concept would open up. And so just seeing how God wants us to really dig into Scripture and that He will reveal if we stay at it has been one of the great ways that I've been blessed. Another way is the interconnectedness of Scripture that I've never seen before. Mm. Uh, scripture is almost like a magnet wants to connect in in, in an intense way. And what we've done, I think, is made end times so complex that we've had to parse and pull verses apart to maintain theories that we already have. And if we just kind of get out of the way and let it happen, Scripture interconnects, and Mm -hmm. it it tells a unified story. It's amazing. Recently, I started reading through the Bible, and I just started in Genesis— and I was marking some things the Lord told me personally to mark. But one of the things I was marking is just end times, just in all caps, writing the words end times, uh, whenever I saw a reference that referred to the end. And it's amazing how many there are. I mm. mean, it's just there's there's so many. And it's so clear. I mean, once you see the concepts that you've laid out about the seed and, and just the whole story throughout the Scripture and throughout history, it's amazing to see how many there really are. And it makes me realize how Big God is. Yeah. You know, and how he's got it all figured out. Yeah, you know, and you think about what you're, you know, you're talking about scripture interconnecting like that. And when you think about 40 different authors, Mm. 66 books, and they tell a unified story, you know, Mm -hmm. I I say to people sometimes the other major religions, uh, we'll take Islam, for example. Uh, One author 
To get two people to agree on anything religious is a miracle. To get 40 people over a 1,500-year period, that's, that's an act of God. Yeah. So, Well, on, the, on that subject, I'd like to ask you a little bit about, you know, you, you exhaustively, I should say, talk about the, the, the flesh versus the spirit mm. and the diver, sort of the divergence at, in the very beginning um, with Abraham and the lineage that which Christ, the promise, comes through. Can you talk a little bit about um, the spirit versus the flesh and the seed of flesh versus the seed of spirit? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a real story, but it's also a very symbolic, as Scripture is. That's, scripture works on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the fact that God promised Abraham a son yeah. that eventually the Messiah would come through, in the act of Abraham and Sarah trying to make this happen on their own because it wasn't happening fast enough. Right. You know, when God promised Abraham 25 years later, Isaac shows up. Hmm. Well, in the meantime, in their own effort, they try to bring about this son since Sarah was barren and with so Hagar sleeps and with Hagar, that. and that produces Ishmael. And it's a great picture of flesh versus spirit. Spirit is a promise. It's God doing the work, us resting, waiting in, on in the it. Lord when you must. Absolutely. Versus the consequences that happened when we try to step in the way and do it ourselves. You bet. And so it's just a great picture of flesh versus spirit, and that concept is played throughout Scripture, and it's pretty amazing that that to me is the ultimate results in Armageddon. Mm. You know, it's really a spirit versus flesh concept battle that happens in the end. It's Satan uh, utilizing humans to try to bring about his own power and glory and establishment of a throne here on earth. And we really do see that between Islam and Christianity because Islam is a very um, human-centered thing from my estimation. In other Mm -hmm. words, you must do this. You must do that. If you do this, this will happen. You know what I'm saying? That, yes. that mm-hmm. the interrelationships between humans and how they act towards each other matters in Islam, where in Christianity it doesn't necessarily matter because it's between you and God. There's a personal relationship between mm-hmm. you and God, whereas Islam, it really is about rules. It is, and whenever you aren't relying on the person and work of Jesus right. to accomplish salvation and establish your relationship with God, you're stuck— trying to be good enough for God to reward you, you know, with whatever your intent is. Mm. And so that's why Christianity is the only religion that's not a performance-based religion. You know, it is a abiding in Christ. It, it removes is, the human aspect. Right. In, in some ways, you know, but we still, once we have a relationship with God based on grace, we want to live the way God wants. We live through His Spirit. And so we're motivated by grace instead of motivated by trying to get something out of God or get Him to uh, bless me. One of the aspects of this study that really ties into what we're talking about here is the whole truth around dominion theology, you know, that we're supposed to set up the, I mean, it's a, not a truth, right. that we're supposed to set up the kingdom of God here on earth. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to that idea that we're going to do this on our own. We're not going to be able to, that we're not going to rely on the Lord. And I think that this, a true study of end times like you've done here and as you've well laid out for us reveals just how much God is in control and we 
we are players in his story, um, that he is the one writing the story. And we're not setting up anything. For He's him. not waiting for us to, to yeah. fulfill certain <laughs> yeah. things before he does yeah. something. That's absolutely. <laughs> yes, that's evident throughout Scripture and painfully evident in my own personal life. So uh, we're going to take a break, and we will come back to our study in just a few minutes. You've been listening to Minding the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to miningthetruth.com and click donate. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. Welcome back uh, from our break, and we're here with Danny Jacobs and John Lay, and we're discussing the end times. So who wants to jump in the fire? I'll jump in here. Go for it. Uh, I was thinking earlier, I kind of went back and was listening to some of the the previous shows that we had done, Ray. And one of the shows that we were talking about, um, we're talking about the the number of the beast and the speculation Mm -hmm. that people have for... I remember way back when talking about a national ID card Mm -hmm. and what you thought that Mm -hmm. that number would represent. Mm -hmm. Um, Reiterate a little bit what what the the sign of the beast and all that stuff is. Well, uh, there's a lot of different theories out there, but, you know, the mark of the beast is, in my opinion, probably symbolic. If you look at Old Testament scriptures— and God talks about the uh, mark on your forehead and on your hand. He is talking about your reverence towards him, right. your worship, mm-hmm. your thought. Mm-hmm. And even in uh, Revelation, it talks about uh, the mark of God on their forehead and on their hand. Right. And so in those cases, it's symbolic. So why not the mark of the beast? Why mm. can't that be the fact that I am... Uh, worshiping the beast through my thoughts and through my work. It's Just because proof the Left of my... Behind series says that it's a something on your forehead. <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess it could be. It's just, uh, you know, I, I see it as more real world than that. And mm-hmm. the other thing that's the big hang-up for me on that type of explanation of the mark of the beast is whenever it is something that is inflicted on you by some authoritative government. Right. Well, Scripture clearly says you're going to go, you will spend eternity separated from God if you receive the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. So, so, so if it's against it, your will, right. I, God doesn't work that way. Right. So that's why I believe the mark of the beast is a willing acceptance of the beast. So you could really, I mean, basically... By saying that it is something that could be forced on you, you could say that other humans could prevent you from going to heaven. Right, which by, doesn't by make marking any you sense. with or forcing you to do something. Yeah, that doesn't and I think sense. if you look at it too from the vantage point that the scripture says, if the elect could be deceived, then they would have gotten it. But the bottom line is, we're not going to those that are truly following Jesus Christ. We're not going to just automatically say, "Hey, forget Jesus and start following." Uh, some antichrist get some mark of the beast or something. Um, we are not going to be deceived into worshiping him. Right, uh, right. We're going to be focused on Christ and and who he is. So you know it does make sense that it wouldn't be some 
physical thing that we're like, oh man, I, I don't know if I should get that or, or, or not, you know, if it's some cool device that keeps that, us. Well, that, yeah. And that out of fear, right. they're, they're able to force this on you. And then that, that keeps you from going to, I just yeah, don't believe you know, that you think about, think about someone is threatened with no work. Your kid's going to starve to death if you don't receive this mark. Mm. Well, you know, you might receive some kind of mark if it's not worshiping a demonic spirit. Right. So yeah. it, I don't know. The the whole kind of, you know, a mark being put on you by a government mm-hmm. authority mm-hmm. and then you not being separated from God for all eternity for receiving that doesn't – that just doesn't fit the gospel. Mm-hmm. We are saved mm-hmm. by grace through faith in Christ. Just none of that makes sense to me. Not to mention, I think I would have thought for sure that God Himself, Christ, would have made a big deal out of that. Right. If that were the the true, you know, telling mm-hmm. everyone, mm-hmm. whatever you do, don't take this mark or whatever. Yeah, kind of make it I mean? a little more clear. I, you know, it's going to be the fact that He never mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would just... lead me to believe that that possibly cannot be right yeah. if He didn't even warn us about it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ray, I want to. Con- kind of build on that you know the end times some people say it's so complex so complicated i shouldn't even study it and it's all going to just pan out in the end and my faith is in god why should people study this and now well the main reason is matthew 24 christ tells us to not be caught unaware Mm. Uh, he also gives an analogy to the fig tree of whenever the bloom comes out you know what season it is so clearly God has given us prophecy so that we will be able to discern what's going on. We won't be deceived. We won't be misled. So it behooves us to know what's going on and not walk into this in a blind manner. Uh, God wants us prepared. Because we're close. Yeah, and I would say there's a lot about that. that subject matter in this teaching. Um, if we, if you recall our discussions about Lot and about whether or not the pre-trib uh, rapture form is the right one, and whether or not everyone is taken up before it mm-hmm. happens. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Join us next time as we continue to study end times. I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Truth. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, email us right here at ray at miningthetruth.com. We welcome your comments and hope you'll join us next time for more of End Time Prophecies.